0: This episode of the Supply Chain Brain podcast is supported by Flash Global, serving the end-to-end service supply chain. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. Companies talk endlessly about the need to be customer driven. What does that really mean? Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Executive Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The dream of every business is to be able to give equal attention to all customers, large and small, regardless of their importance to the provider's bottom line. That's impossible to achieve, of course. Excellence in customer service is still the key to success. The only problem is figuring out, first, who the customer is, second, what it wants, and third, what you can afford to provide. On this episode, we delve deep into the philosophy of customer service with Sam Michaels, CEO of Flash Global. We'll discuss the need to provide both a standardized level of service while also tailoring one's offering to individual customers. And we'll look into the fundamentals of customer segmentation. It's all about how companies can cope with what he calls the I-want-it-now syndrome. So here is my conversation with Sam Michaels. Sam Michaels, welcome to the show. Bob, thanks for having me. I'm excited to speak with you. Sam, everybody talks about the importance of the so-called customer experience and customer service, and that's what it's all about, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd like to hear your definition, first of all, of just what you think. What, what is customer service to you?
1: It's a very good question, and I've had the unique experience of being on what I would say the customer experience side, as the one receiving services. And so now that I'm on the side of the fence of delivering the services, first and foremost, it's fulfilling the needs of the customer. So ultimately, whatever service is being performed, it has to be meeting the objectives and the agenda of the customers you're servicing. Now, there's two sides to this coin. Now being in the services world, you also wanna be able to deliver services in a very consistent, predictable, and visible manner that, again, meets the needs of those customers. So as a services company, you want to make sure that you're delivering services that are within, let's call it, your goalposts, and making sure that the experience on both sides of the fence, both from the customer receiving the service and the services company delivering the services, is a very, what I'd call, Harmonious experience for both sides. It makes partnerships, relationships that much stronger when you're able to do that.
0: I guess you could, in the simplest of terms, define the customer as the entity that's paying your bill. (laughs) <laughs> but often there's there's another customer beyond that customer. There's an end consumer that you may or may not be interacting with directly if you're working on behalf of a distributor or a retailer or the actual person at home putting in an e-commerce order. So is that sometimes the issue, just trying to find out who is the actual customer? Yeah, we
1: have that in certain situations because in the service supply chain world, you're absolutely right, Bob. We are servicing our customers Customer, right? The end customer. And we are going with the faith, we being the services company that's delivering and having to execute against those services, that the needs that we need to fulfill, the objectives we need to fulfill have been vetted and a line of sight has been created between the end customer, our direct customer, or the direct customer who may be paying for the services, as you mentioned, but ultimately, the receiver of those services, who physically would be maybe handed a piece of hardware or receiving some type of technical support would be the folks that are absolutely in need. So you're right, to a certain degree, trying to understand what the end customer's needs are as it relates to maybe a customer who's paying the bill and has outsourced some of the services that are being provided, Yeah, it's important to identify if there's any gaps that exist and close those gaps. But the customer experience is an interesting one. And again, you would ask the question, what's your definition of customer service? And yeah, simply put, it's meeting the needs of those that are requesting the service, simply put. But ultimately, the influence of what that need is and what those objectives become is really All around us you think of a buying experience that then could translate or relate to an experience you have in the business world it's what I like to call the I want it now syndrome right because everything is now 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 these days and I say everything most of the the consumer experience is a now type function I want to buy it now. Maybe go to a website and buy something. I want to buy it now. I walk into a store, I buy it now. I want to see what I'm getting. I want to know where it's at, etc., etc. And those influencers, the, the, the buying experience also is now influencing right what customer experience means as it relates back over into the world that we play in, which is the service supply chain. And I want it now. And so, Clearly understanding what that really means to our industry and our world to drive really a benefit uh, for both customer and the provider are extremely important. So understanding what that means is also now playing very heavily into what the customer experience or what is customer service. For our
0: customers. You've used the word understand several times there, and that strikes me as probably being the whole key here. I mean, obviously, your mission in life is to give the customer what it wants within the bounds of reason and profitability, clearly. But how do you know what the customer wants? Specifically, are you interacting directly with the customer, you're getting after-the-fact feedback, or you're looking on social media, how do you assess just what it is the customer wants, which puts you in a position to give that to the customer?
1: Several things are being done to understand and be able to try to best put a service delivery mechanism in place that, that answers that question. What I have been seeing and what I have been experiencing that works very well, obviously, uh, maybe it's not so obvious, but the first thing you have to do is listen. Understanding is listening. And listening can mean a couple different things. I'm going to sit down in front of a customer, and I'm going to ask a series of questions, and I'm going to listen to what it is that they may need based upon the questions that I'm asking. And that's good. That's good. It's very rudimentary. It's very basic. It's a good approach. And we do that. But then there's, okay, we ask several questions We heard what the customer or prospective customer is saying, and this isn't just a singular customer. This goes across right? multiple entities in trying to understand and group and understand common themes of what fits together, of what the asks are from customers, and we take that. Then there's the matter of execution. We heard you, Mr. Customer, what you said. We were listening. We then went and potentially built a service around that or we modified an existing service to accommodate what you're asking for. And then there's the practical matter of execution. And so the other thing that we do is that when we're in that execution mode, we're actually watching and also continuing to learn because what we thought we may have heard or what the customer thought they wanted, and then when you get into practical execution and see how it's actually working, You may still need more modifications or tweaking or, hey, that really wasn't what I thought. And we actually go through that constantly. And so fine-tuning the types of questions, how we manage post-mortem or how we look at what is or is not happening related to what we discussed, what we scoped, what we designed, and then ultimately what we built and are now executing against and seeing that if it fits. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And so there's an adjustment factor that has to continuously go on to make sure that we're getting it right. That also bleeds into, when you think about how do you know what it is that a customer may need, I have a very distinct saying that I use, and that's, you know, the world evolves, countries evolve, regulations evolve, customers evolve. Service providers evolve and trying to mesh that all together in a uniform manner to have it right each and every time, month over month, year over year, takes work. It takes practice. It's an effort to get it right. So customer service is ongoing. It's a constant motion.
0: Let's move from the word customer to the word custom. The mantra these days, or one of the mantras, is one size does not fit all. But that puts you in the interesting quandary of the degree to which you provide a so-called basic generic service to that which is customized to meet the needs of individual customers. How do you handle that? And to what degree are you being called upon these days to tailor, to customize services to meet individual needs?
1: It's fascinating to understand what is considered we'll call it customize or a flexible solution versus what is standardized. And what I've learned over the years, I'll play off words right now. The word standardization or standardized can carry a negative connotation at times when you're speaking with a potential either new prospect or existing customer. And I'll tell you why. Customers are looking for something specific to them. Help me manage my business. And in doing that, I have specific requirements. I'm the customer. I have specific requirements that may be different from others. The beautiful thing about what we do in the travels that we've been through along the way is that going back to common themes, there's lots of common themes between customers, even if they're in different verticals, they have a different technology, maybe they have a different footprint, but there's common themes. And so playing off common themes to create a standard baseline And then being able to adjust and provide flexible solutions, we'll call it the remaining 10 or 15% of what a customer or potential new prospect might need, is very doable. I'll say this. If a company is providing services, part of it, I believe, is the maturation level that that particular provider is at. So if you've got the experience of being able to see in the past I know we can do it one way, but we've seen customers do it 30 different ways off that singular platform. Okay, so let's evolve, let's develop a system, a process, get the knowledge base and the people around what would be able to be delivered to a customer in meeting their needs in a particular industry, let's call it. And in the service supply chain, it's no different. You would think that, hey, This has been happening for years, whether it's a warehousing activity or delivering a part or a field engineer going to a site to do some work on a piece of equipment. It's been happening for years. But as I mentioned earlier, the evolution of how the world changes in requirements and demands, it's alive and well. There is absolutely no such thing as one and done. So being able to customize outwardly, to whatever a customer is requiring, that again, fits within goalposts, within reason, to your point, there is such a thing as profitability and being able to do things smart, not just harder. And in keeping a keen eye on that is absolutely critical. And so I think some of the best providers out there are able to find those things, create a baseline platform, that's adjustable or modifiable, that meets the 90 percentish of what customers would demand as a customized solution, be able to do it efficiently, and the results would speak for themselves, right? Because again, it's all about consistent execution. Somebody had asked me one time, hey, we want to be great. We want to be better than good. We want to be exceptional. And I said, it's interesting, In some cases, that is absolutely true, and that's a good thing to strive for. But ultimately, in the service supply chain world, good is great. If you're consistently good in everything you do, and if you have 100 deliveries and you make 100 of them just as expected, that meets the objectives of the customer, that is great. Being good is great.
0: Again, to this issue of goalposts, I want to talk a little bit more about that, because clearly it's a wonderful idea. And stated by many companies, we want to give the customer what they want. We want to give every customer what they want. However, as we know, some customers are more valuable to your bottom line than others. Therefore, we have the concept of customer segmentation. Do you find yourself and do you think it's important to, to segment customers to realize which ones are more important to you and then basically treat them better? I would probably frame it up a little bit differently.
1: I absolutely agree that there is customer segmentation. And if people say differently, then you're fooling yourself. With that being said, customer expectations need to be set up front. So if a customer is coming in with very little revenue potential, but they have an absolute need that can be fulfilled, that's perfectly fine. They may not get all the bells and whistles that one of the larger customers may get, but setting those expectations up front that here's the objectives of your account based upon what you need in the amount of business that you're bringing us, you still want to have a solid customer experience. There's no doubt about that, but you're absolutely right. How much you get, what you get, how much can be, as you called it, customizable and flexible can be limited. Because there also has to be an ROI in what we're doing back to the profitability button. And so having the ability to broker and navigate those conversations early to set the right level of playing field is extremely important. I find that the biggest issue when it comes to customer segmentation is that that was not done up front. Maybe there were some empty promises made that shouldn't have been, but ultimately let's make sure that we're aligned with what type of partnership we're putting together here. And I don't use that term lightly because I do think of customers as partners. I think of our outsource network as our partners. I don't like the word vendor at all. And so establishing these partnerships to create an ecosystem that's healthy, extremely important. But yes, there absolutely is customer segmentation and you got to manage it up front in order to be successful at it. There's no doubt about it.
0: Sam, tell me a little bit about Flash Global. How long has the company been around and how did it kind of make this market niche of service parts delivery and
1: high value levels of service? Yeah, the company's been around for over 20 years and it was born up in the United States, in the Northeast area, in the New York, New Jersey area, it really is a courier company. Way back when the ability to send things electronically with technology wasn't as robust as it is today, as silly as that sounds, but it wasn't that long ago. And so ultimately, there was a recognized need that many of the high-tech, electronic-type companies who were selling support and maintenance with the products they were selling to their customers were finding it very difficult and expensive to be able to support their products in the field after they were sold. And so the old question, you got to ask yourself, what do you want to be good at or what do you want to be an expert at? And many of the the manufacturing companies that we support aren't necessarily looking to be experts in global logistics or the global service supply chain. They want to bring in partners that can help them expand, grow, and scale very quickly uh, without having to bring that knowledge base in-house necessarily and or build and expand on their own. So Flash has quickly, over the last, I'd say, six to seven years, really focused on being a little bit of that one-stop shop in the service supply chain world where what happens to your product post-sales? Maintenance, support that's required with the install bases of our customers, and to your point much earlier in the conversation – understanding your customers and customer, we absolutely support our customers and customers. That's what they've sold that requires support. And so Flash has evolved over the years from courier company to very specific 3PL in the service logistics space to now a global service supply chain company that has an integrated suite of services outside of just warehousing, distribution, two and four hour deliveries, but also expanded into technical services like test, screen, repair, the import exports of goods around the world, doing field services activity, whether that's product installations or smart hands on a break fix activity or project work, and also managing everything that goes across that, which would be order management, inventory management, transportation management, in order to hook it all together. So Flash, over the years, has been evolving. We continue to evolve. We've got a very extensive global footprint, both with people and our network, in order to deliver the services that we have to to our customer base.
0: What do you see as being the big challenge for you in the future in terms of additional types of services you might want to offer or additional more intense demands by the customer? Just looking in the next few years, what are you focusing on?
1: There's two key things that we are focusing on outside of the obvious. When I say the obvious, I'm talking about security. So one thing that gets overlooked and customers may just expect that it happens is the technology world that we live in. Security is becoming more and more critical with data, customer data, making sure that we're up 24 by 7, 365 with no outages with some of the bad guys that exist out there. And we have a very heavy focus on what we're doing from a security standpoint. That's that's just one of the basics. But looking at competitive differentiation and where the market is moving towards and some industry trends, we really have a strong focus on visibility. And that's visibility around the globe from an order management perspective and, and where inventory sits. And then ultimately, how does technology play a part in making things that much Simpler to be done in creating that much more efficiency for our customers and what they're trying to do. You hear the buzzword of digitization. I don't necessarily say it that way because there's a couple key things in the service supply chain world that need to be addressed that do not have a fix for it today that we're feverishly working on to make sure that as the world continues to evolve and the visibility that needs to be created for our customers and our customers in customer is where it needs to be. I'll say one last thing in the service supply chain industry. It's a very distributed world that we live in. And so technology is one thing, and there's some great technology out there. But adaptation, the ability to adopt the technology and leverage it in a way that is consistent anywhere around the world is one of the larger challenges that we're facing over the next couple of years.
0: It's really interesting to talk about the whole issue of customer service and customization in a market niche that in which customer service is the whole rationale for its existing. So, uh, Sam Michaels, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand just what all that means these days and to talk a little bit about Flash Global as well. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Bob, I appreciate the time and you have a great day. I thank you.
0: That was my conversation with Sam Michaels of Flash Global, talking about the key to customer and custom service. Our thanks to Flash Global for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrand.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming and downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain.